This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. We're right now through April 6th. It's time to start thinking about Easter and Passover meals. Uh, a good start is their Carlton Farms pork tenderloin at $7.99 a pound. You can save $2 a pound on that. Very nice. You can also save $4 a pound on their Alaskan halibut, Chris. I've been looking at this uh, because I get a little intimidated when it comes to cooking fish. Uh, but the thing we love about Zupans is you can always find great recipes on their website. So get this fresh and wild Alaskan halibut and then go to Zupans.com and get the recipe for butter poached halibut with Swiss chard. That's the way to impress your family. Well, I'll tell you, as long as we're talking about cooking fish, I may as well chime in. The one one thing I really love at Zupans is I can get something that I used to get um, on the regular on the East Coast, which is swordfish. Yeah. And um, I bought uh, a little last week to enjoy here for dinner, and I improvised the recipe. I used a little of Zupan's Alfredo sauce, some mustard. I put some orange and red peppers in there and played around with a few spices and uh, served it over pasta and uh, little swordfish chunks over pasta. So I don't usually give recipe information on this podcast, but why not? It was right. great. Yeah, that's, that sounds delicious. Uh, maybe maybe that's what you'll be making for for me sometime when I visit the coast. Yeah, a quick lunch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you mentioned it, Chris, uh, earlier. You got uh, Passover and Easter uh, in just a few weeks. And if you don't want to do the cooking yourself, let Zupans do it for you. They always have great uh, uh, menus and things you can order and just bring home, reheat in some cases. And then you've got Easter and Passover meal completely taken care of. So uh, you can order in advance. Uh, you can do that at Zupans.com. Well, the other thing that you want to keep in mind as we move into spring is Zupans has without a doubt the most wonderful floral department in town and they have that uh that you can not only enjoy classes where you can learn how to make arrangements but you can just buy some wonderful arrangements and the pottery is really nice um so you can find those you can find their floral departments at any one of three Zupans court. Where are they? You got McAdam, you got West Burnside, you got Lake Oswego. And if you forget all of this, but remember one thing, it's their website, Chris, which is Zupans.com. All right, it's time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. Well, hello, Court Johnson. There in, are you in Portland or Tigard right now? I'm in Tigard right now. I'm at, I'm at my home. I've been on vacation for nearly a week and life is pretty great. That's great. And by the way, you said you, you were thinking about stopping out here. What happened to that? Well, you know, um, I, I, well, you could probably relate. You had two teenage boys. I have two teenage daughters and getting yeah. anybody on the same page right now is virtually impossible. Like I, I just been unable to do it. So maybe I, I just need to say, Hey, I'm leaving. And it's just me that comes out to the coast. That there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think you just need to get more. Yeah. You, you need to watch the great Santini, get, get your act together over there. <laughs> take, take charge. No. So, um, well, good. I hope you enjoy. We, we only have two more days left. Yep. So, um, of this, well, I guess the weekend it's packed out here at the coast anyway. So I don't know if that's of interest to you, but, um, that was, but you're still, you're still welcome to come out with or without daughters. I, I appreciate that. And that was kind of this, the second thought as we were trying to figure everything out, it's just like, Oh, everybody, everybody in the world is taking spring break out of the coast. So it might not be the, the most pleasant time to go out there, but I, I would still like to, you know, come visit you, Chris. Yeah, that, that would be nice. Um, anytime. So whether it's this week or anytime, anytime, you know, anytime during the week is usually pretty good because there are fewer people, but right. regardless, um, I did get a chance to go into um, Portland this week. We we went to Zupan's, Austri and I, the wonderful woman who plans a lot of our Italian trips for Portland Food Adventures. We went to Zupan's and 
did a little um, runaround of Sicilian products, and they have so many of them there. It was a lot of fun, but the reason I brought it up is because we went out for sushi at Yama Sushi, and I got to tell you, it was so nice to sit down and look at a sushi menu and order things as the meal progressed. Yeah. So as opposed to ordering everything in advance and having it in a box when you get home, uh, it was nice to say, hey, this miso soup with clams looks pretty good. How about this? How about this role? And uh, anyway, it was a real pleasure to do so. It is it is kind of a, a big difference. And I think everybody's going through this as as people work their way back into, you know, eating out regularly, the, the different kind of setups that restaurants might have. But uh, there is really just nothing better than sitting down at a restaurant and just kind of eating as you go, which is right. Uh, and meeting someone for lunch. Yeah. So just being able to say, let's go. So uh, at any rate, it was really nice. And one of the places that I had enjoyed doing that such thing uh, back in September in the midst of the pandemic uh, was Cooperativa, um, which was, interestingly enough, planned before March of 2020 by Anna Caparel and uh, Sarah Schaefer of Irving Street Kitchen, before that closed. But then when the pandemic hit, they had the opportunity to really put those plans into action and open up a really, really sweet, speaking of Italian products, um, a sweet Italian market over in the Pearl. Is that in the Pearl? Yes, it is. Yeah. In the Pearl. <laughs> I'm just losing. You lose your bearings after a while. Yep. Um, so and it's a really nice place to stop in when you don't want know what you want for to either eat at the minute or for dinner that night. They have plenty of ideas and things that will uh, whet your appetite and satisfy it as well. So uh, we thought it was a good idea since this was six months ago. We're moving on in the pandemic to the point where we can sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel. I got vaccinated yesterday, by the way. Congrats. That's awesome. Thanks. I realized I don't know where that little white card is that I must have because I think I'm going to need that to travel someday. But it was easy. It was simple. And I'm, I'm glad I'm, I've got the first shot, second shot to come. But at any rate, as we come out of the uh, pandemic and restaurants are going to start coming back, um, at least we know over the last six months with Cooperativa. They've had more time to hone what they're offering and make it a wonderful experience. And very soon, I'm sure they have outdoor dining now because they had some then and it's becoming spring, but they had, they also have beautiful space indoors. Very soon, it's just going to be a really special place. Reminiscent of some of the Italian markets that I've been to perhaps in Bologna and uh, other areas of the country. It's really nice. So we thought it would be nice to bring this one back from our archives for those people who hadn't heard it back in September or even to re-listen and uh, hear it again. Perfect. Right at the Fork is supported by Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for the food and wine lovers of Portland and beyond for over 40 years. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego or Zupan's.com. Ringside Steakhouse. It's time again to slice into the best steaks and service available in Portland. Seating is now available by reservation only for indoor and outdoor dining at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out the newly opened New England-style fish and ship spot with a Northwest personality, Rock Paper Fish, a partnership between the Peterson family and Portland icon Micah Camden in the old Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside for takeout only. And by Portland Food Adventures, Cabin Fever, Book a fantastic culinary vacation in 2021 with podcast host Chris Angeles. Experience the best of Basque Country with Javier Canteras of Erdoneta or Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Austri Enzyme. Whet your appetite and get more information at PortlandFoodAdventures.com or contact Red at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more details. How are you feeling? Yes, I'm well. We're wild and crazy, but good. And uh, good. 
just trying to hold it all together, you know? Well, wild and crazy is the uh, default mode now, right? Yeah. Um, but I would think it's a good kind of wild and crazy because you're working on, it's nice to be working on a new project instead of trying to fix an old one. So true. I mean, I think of our peers every day and especially the people who have just continued on with hardly a pause. And, um, you know, we did have months where we were working on this, but we were also able to kind of go through a recovery mode and a grieving period, I guess. And um, just all of the people in this industry who just haven't stopped and have been continually just pushing, 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 and the ever dreaded word right now, pivoting. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of, there are a lot of dreaded words yeah. now. Yeah, or phrases. Now more than <laughs> yeah. But um, yes, no, it feels wonderful to have something new to focus on and uh, every day something positive and full of community and get to open the doors of Cooperativa and welcome people in and see everyone smile with their eyes. If we can't see their, their mouths, you know, at least we get that feeling and that emotion from people, which feels really good right now. Yeah. So how long or when did you start? Planning Cooperativa, how long ago was that? Sure. So Sarah and I were looking to start a project together for the past three and a half years. But um, Cooperativa specifically, um, it's been just over a year. So July of 2019 is when we started on this project. So there had to be a point at which sometime between March and now, you said, okay, we're going 100% on the new project and we've got to shut down. How long did you hold on with Irving Street Kitchen? How long did you hold out hope? And at what point, I, I suppose it made it easier knowing you had another project that you wanted to work on to, be, to drop that. Um, it did. In the end, it really wasn't our decision to make. It was our business partners. So, um, we didn't have to make that decision, and they did make that decision. Um, we spent, I guess, two and a half months talking about possibilities for reworking the space and um, eventually got to a point where it was determined that they just wanted to close the doors permanently. And... Um, we had planned on doing both projects, of course, last year when we started on this project. The idea was that we would be doing both projects simultaneously, but um, it does feel actually really good to just focus on the one project. And, you know, we're in the space. I'm, I'm here often working the register or stocking the shelves or making sandwiches. And Sarah's here coming in at 4 a.m. and making the dough and... Um, there's something about that that feels really good at this time. I don't know. There's something wholesome about it, I guess. <laughs> um, well, I think any new project is, has got to be exciting right now because you're learning new things about something new instead of learning things about something, you know, that is not going to work for a while at least. Right. And we were fortunate enough to have created, intentionally created a really nimble project that was part of creating Cooperativa was not just the idea that we had and the reasons for it, but it was also trying to push the restaurant model, I guess just blow it up a little bit and um, create a new model. So uh, we already were in that position to rethink everything. We started every day saying to each other, it's not a restaurant. We're never using that term throw that out all of our ideas about that and look at everything fresh. And in a lot of ways that made this um, easier isn't the right term, but um, we already had shifted into a new way of thinking. Um, and that new way of thinking was also very nimble. So when everything happened, um, when quarantine started, we did have also a couple months where we were not sure if the project would go forward. Mm -hmm. um, 
and are very enthused that it did. And uh, we were very excited that the developers and the building were pushing hard for the project to move forward. That really helped us at a time that, you know, no one had any idea what would happen this year. Um, so that felt great. Um, and then we were in that position of, okay, well, we already are looking at it not like a restaurant. We already knew it would need to be different than anything we've never done before. We already knew that we would have um, a dynamic use of the space. We knew that we would focus on community. So a lot of it was just about rethinking what community looks and feels like when you can't see each other's mouths and uh, you can't have very many people in your space. Well, so that's the situation you're dealing with now, and everybody is, but at some point, that hopefully <laughs> will end. So um, the model that you have, from what I could see, and I haven't been there yet, but I've, you know, I've looked at the website, and I've read about it, and, and interestingly enough, you know, it reminds me of some old markets I've been to in Bologna, which is probably what you want it to feel like, I would imagine. Um, but at some point, we may get back to what we had, you know, which was the ability for people to think about which restaurant do I want to go to, even though you don't want to refer to your place as a restaurant. Let's make a reservation. Let's go sit down and eat. And let's not think about masks and all that stuff. That's going to happen someday, I would imagine. You don't know. We don't even know anymore. But so um, have you thought about, you know, you've obviously thought about how to deal with this current world, but, and I'm sure you've thought about what it's going to be like when we come out of it. But do you think that your model is, is well positioned for what we have in 2020, 2021? How do you think it's going to look in 2024 and 25? Great. Um, one of the elements that was so appealing to us about this space is it runs a full city block. So it's a narrow space and it really, as soon as we walked in the doors, we thought, oh, this is perfect. Not only is it reminiscent of markets, the indoor markets, but it also just, it always makes us think of traveling to a city and there's that one block that felt like a hub and you stayed nearby and you walked down and you had your coffee in the morning and you walked back and grabbed something for later and then you had a drink outside in the evening. Um, and you really used that block. And this neighborhood specifically doesn't really have that hub of a block. Um, meaning, I mean, the Pearl does, but meaning this specific little nook that we're in. And we just couldn't believe that there wasn't anything right here near the river. You know, we're a block from the river, we're a block from two different parks, we're two blocks from a third park. Um, we just couldn't believe that there wasn't something bustling right there. And there are so many people living right here. So I think that, you know, long term and the idea of, you know, the initiation of the project was that this would be a mainstay. This would be a space people would feel was theirs in the community and would feel like it's a place that they're going back to multiple times a day. Um, much like you do when you travel. And for us, it was also about, definitely there's Italian inspiration here, but not just in the food, we really are using it as the inspiration for the way of life. Um, that there's just a different space, a different way you shop, a different way you work with your vendors and, um, you know, the roots of the slow food movement and, a lot of the space is about that. And I think that's forever. We're going to look for that sort of, <laughs> there's your bee. <laughs> We're going oh, you to got it. <laughs> I'll yell if it lands on you. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I'll yell if it lands on me. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that's forever. I mean, people will want that. And whether they live right here or they're traveling, um, you know, Sarah and I knew Whatever we opened, um, you know, everyone here wants to, if you're in love with food, um, of course you want to open something that as many people as possible are able to visit what you've created. Um, but we knew first and foremost, we want to be a neighborhood spot. 
we want to feel like a neighborhood spot and then go from there. So um, we are all those things. We are a neighborhood spot. We hope people want to come and visit us from outside the area. Um, it's a nice little getaway. We're getting a lot of people who live fairly close who tell us, well, I'm coming in because I just wanted to feel like I got away for the day. Um, and I think, uh, you know, people are doing a lot of that, like traveling within their own city exploration. Um, but long term, I just, you know, the cooperative will consider to con continue, excuse me, continue to grow and expand and um we have eight vendor partners. Those were chosen for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. And they will continue to grow and expand. And that's another exciting element is just to see where this all moves forward. Um, and that's been great fun to work with, you know, Tales and Trotters and Spell It Cafe, all of our vendor partners. Right. So you've got an Italian bent. And I know I met you when you were at Pizza Maria. Yeah. So what... Uh, and I, I, I don't know if your if your last name is your maiden name or your. It's my married name. name, and it's a it's your married name. It's a made up name, not an Italian name. <laughs> <laughs> no, but do you? I, I guess the question was, do you have some Italian background um, and uh, Sarah as well? Because I don't look at Sarah and think, hey, there's an Italian woman. Um, no, I mean, we both do in distant areas, but not in a way that we grew up with that culture. Um, and for Sarah, this was, you know, she fell in love with the culture kind of late. Um, she came up in, you know, French hierarchy kitchens, and that is really the style that she cooked under and um, moved forward with. And then in the past four years, she, you get to a certain age as a chef or a restaurateur or anyone in this industry, and I think you're looking for where you can go to continue your education. Um, and you also are seeking a place to further your inspiration and root your inspiration again. I mean, that happens in a cycle every couple of years or few years. Um, and so Sarah started traveling to Italy and really for herself, not to bring anything back, not for a business idea, just for herself to travel somewhere that she hadn't spent much time. Um, and she started taking pasta classes and um, working in a couple of restaurants there and just getting settled in there for herself and would come back and just feel different. And she hadn't, she'd always done a certain amount of you know, she's worked in every aspect you can imagine, but she hadn't specifically focused in on dough, pasta, or pizza, or bread until these travels. And she just found this kind of rhythm and tempo and way of life that um, she loved and really was a salve for her soul and re-inspired her as a chef. Um, and so she was pushing herself in that way. And we didn't think that we would start a business rooted in Italian culture or um, an homage even. We just, you know, it led us to having more conversations about food in a different way that we had been. Um, and that felt great. And so we really looked at it as, yes, we are carrying over actually Italian recipes and ingredients and um, things that she learned during her travels, but were more so just inspired by that feeling of community that can carry over and the way that um, the local vendor, the small vendor, the small producers are celebrated and preservation of source and um, that to us was always such a big part of the conversation when we were looking at a new project. And so everything just kind of um, connected. And we thought, well, this doing something that connects us to um, that supply chain in a way that we can preserve those authentic methods here, not necessarily the Italian methods, but how can we bring that here? How can we do that in Portland? How can we create that local supply chain? Or not created, I mean, it is here, but um, 
bring it forward in a way that makes sense to the public. And that's what it was about. So are you dealing with vendors directly in Italy or are you working with uh, wholesalers and we're other working, We're working with wholesalers um, and, you know, one of our vendor partners is Real Good Food. So mm -hmm. they, of course, are just, you know, importing and distributing from Italy. And, um, and then we have uh, Pinolo Gelato um, and... I think there's a potential to bring more specific items in that we're looking for, or that the public is looking for. Um, but right now we're really working through our wholesalers and our vendor partners. Is that the second, would that be the second spot in Portland where one can procure that incredible gelato? It is. Yes, absolutely. Because, so we're now we're on the West side because, exactly. you know, I've always said, I've been to the, you know, I'm, I'm in Portland, not that much, but enough where if I'm down on division and there's a long line at that other place, which is great, yes. you can get right into Panolo Gelato and it's a special, it's really great. You don't have to wait and sit down and, en and enjoy an affogato while you're doing it. Absolutely. So. Yes. And we, um, long term, there'll be a gelato bike, a little gelato cart on a bike. But um, we postpone that to next year because we can't actually serve from it this year, given the restrictions. So right now you'll see, just like at the shop, uh, pre-packed pint, half pints and pints. And we do the seasonal rotations to mimic what Sandro has in his shop. Mm -hmm. And that will continue to evolve and grow. And then maybe next summer, I'm not sure, we'll see what happens. But um, our vision is to have that cart on our street corner, be able to serve gelato from the corner, which would be amazing. Uh, that would be great. Um, I think it'll do really well. I find it interesting that Portland turned into an ice cream city. It, it has its waves, right? It had its pizza wave and then its ice cream wave. And of course, Sarah was instrumental, I think, in the fried chicken wave, which is still kind of going on. It's a long wave. Yes. But I wonder how many different versions of fried chicken a city needs. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, is she happy to be not to kind of get away from it. I'm sure she's still going to, she's still going to make it at some point, but. Yes, she is happy for the break. I, I believe she's happy for the break. And um, definitely it feels good to her to be working with dough daily instead of working with fryers daily. Um, there's something a little different about that, but um, there may be fried chicken in our future. I, it's not what we're focusing on right now, but um, it was such a big part of Irving Street Kitchen. It feels funny to leave that behind. I, I, I could see it as a, as a special on a particular day of the week. That's the day for fried chicken. Not that I'm trying to program you, but I could see <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things Sarah's known for, and it was so good. Why not? So I think it would be outside of the walls of Cooperativa. If we, if we entertained fried, kitchen again, fried chicken again, it would be... Um, that's the name. You just stumbled on the name, Fried Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a good name. <laughs> Pardon me? The possibilities are endless. Yeah. Pausing a moment here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. Uh, and now we can eat there. Yep. As opposed to just having takeout and kits, which, sorry to use the word just, but short of the great service experience at Ringside, we're so pleased to hear that they're now open for dine-in service. Uh, Court, you'll talk about how to make a reservation in a minute, but uh, also they're still doing takeout. Uh, as well. So you can order takeout uh, up until 9 p.m. Wednesday to Sunday. And uh, of course, make a reservation to dine in at ringside between 5 and 10 Wednesday to Thursday and 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. on weekends. That would be Friday to Sunday. Definitely something you need to uh, make part of your routine now that uh, routines are returning to normal. Uh, you can set up the re reservations at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Or uh, one thing I like to do is I open up my Open Table app and uh, can do it that way as well. Both work great. I recommend either. 
I got a couple of questions. What is, you've worked with Sarah for quite a while. How did you stumble upon Sarah? Because you, uh, let's go through your, your, at least your Portland background. Sure. But why don't you take us through your Portland kitchen, back, your dining, your restaurant background. For Sarah, it, um, we should go actually further back than that just because we have this kind of funny situation where Sarah and I had never met until um, I started at Irving Street Kitchen. And um, yet our paths, it's alarming to us that we never, we just can't believe we never met. We had so much crossover. We know so many of the same people. Um, I opened Jardinier in San Francisco in 97 and she was at Gramercy and then opened 11 Madison. Um, and we had people coming to work at Jardinier from Gramercy. And then we had people from Jardinier moving to New York to work at 11 Madison. Um, and then, of course, here, when I moved to Portland, um, I was pregnant with my second child. And um, and that was when? How long ago? It was in 2005. 2005. Oh, we arrived at the same time. We have the same <laughs> Portland perspective. Yes. And um, I was told by quite a few people that uh, as a woman in the fine dining industry, I probably would not find a job and um, that maybe I should consider something else. And I uh, started out, you know, just, I couldn't believe that that was the case at the time. Um, but it actually ended up working out well in that um, I decided, you know, I needed a different schedule anyways, second child and my first child I had while opening a restaurant with my parents, my stepmom's a chef. Um, and so I knew that I needed a daytime schedule. So I worked at Grand Central Bakery for seven and a half years um, mm -hmm. as a manager and um, R&D and kitchen liaison and um, held a host of positions. They were great and always, every time I got a little bored, I would say, what about, what if I did this? And they really supported me through that. And it was a great time to work uh, in that cafe lifestyle for seven and a half years, meaning early mornings, but not late nights. Um, <laughs> and then- and Very early mornings. Yes. <laughs> And, um, you know, did occasional consulting uh, during that time and then um, left to open Pizza Maria with Sean Coyne. Um, and another link, uh, Sean and Sarah worked at Gramercy Tavern together at the same time. Um, so they know each other as, and Krista Murray. So all three of them worked together there. And, um, and of course, as you know, we closed Pizza Maria um, after a year and a half. And um, I went to Ned Ludd and Elder Hall. And um, that was great. And, you know, another shift in experience. Uh, and then the position at Irving Street Kitchen came up and I realized how much I missed that big kind of nighttime vibe um, in the restaurant industry. And that was a great shift for me. It was a ton of fun. Um, you know, restaurants like that, I'm not sure if they'll come back at any time. Well, there um, weren't a lot of them in Portland. I mean, most of the restaurants you would have found like Irving Street Kitchen would be, you know, uh, like Imperial, a, you know, a big hotel type restaurant. And so those we hope will still be around. But, but when I think of Irv Irving Street Kitchen, you, you think of a, like a big city vibe, like a San Francisco vibe. Yeah, it was fun and wonderful. And Sarah and I just really connected. And uh, we even now, she'll bring up someone and say, Oh, well, uh, he worked for so-and-so, and I'll say, you know that person? I mean, we knew all and worked with so many of the same people. It's just, it's funny. We're always unraveling that. Um, and I think we're a good complement to each other. Um, and so creating that partnership at Irving Street and then carrying it over, um, you know, we looked at spaces for 
Well, prior to this space, for two and a half years, we entertained projects and spaces and um, kept ourselves busy with some consulting and um, while running Irving Street. And um, we were able to really refine what we wanted to do and be and what we wanted to change. And that feels great. So what is your, what is, um, what impresses you most about Sarah? So if you had someone come into your life who hadn't been there for a while and you tell them what you're doing now, which is kind of what you're doing, um, and you were to talk about your business partner, what would you, what would you say um, makes you happiest to be uh, business partners with Sarah? Uh, She's, well, she's very supportive and communicative and that feels great in a business partner, but as a, as a person and as a chef, um, not only is she extremely talented, which is always an inspiration, but um, she's very open. So open to explore a new idea, open to explore a better idea, um, the willingness to evolve. She pushes herself very hard, um, but she leaves that pretty open-ended as well. So she's always willing to evolve an idea or even a way of working. Um, And that's not something I'm always finding in the industry. Um, And that's been a great inspiration. I love working alongside someone like that. That's how I work. That's how I push myself. Um, And so that continues to inspire me. And she's, she's talented, not just in one specific niche. And there is a lot to be said for those people who are, I I also appreciate that. Um, Mm -hmm. But she really, she herself is inspired by kind of that rabbit hole experience. Like she'll, she'll grab a new idea and she'll just go as far as she can on her own um, path of discovery. And I love that. I love seeing that. I love tasting everything along the way as she's doing that. Um, <laughs> she well, that's good. It's good to have a good taster on board. Right? I love being <laughs> So what do you think she would say uh, com- best compliments her about you? Um, oh, good question. Uh, well, we had to get there. I had to go. I, I, to go I, I should have called her up here so she could <laughs> say. Um, probably um, I... I mean, some similar, of course, not my cooking skills. Um, I can cook, but not in the kitchen. <laughs> I can, I'm a good sandwich maker. Um, but uh, What's your best sandwich? Oh, right now? The prosci- what do you make the best? If you were going to make, if I was going to say, I'm coming over, let me have your best sandwich. Well, today I would make the prosciutto sandwich. It's very simple, beautiful. It's on the Pizza Bianca. Um, mm-hmm. make every morning and then uh, thinly sliced prosciutto, fresh mozzarella, arugula, and a little bit of garlic oil. And it's amazing. Um, that's been very popular. We love making it. And we just started the mortadella sandwich, which is awesome. See, you're, you're living cooperativa because the answer was all about business. I was just kind of thinking of your oh, kids. Oh, I hope. Yeah, there's, no, there's none of that right now. It's all... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> This is it. Um, right. So what would Sarah say? I, um, <laughs> I'm uh, a good combination of, um, she tells me, you know, focused, determined, and patient. And um, that I also push her to evolve and continue to push herself. Um, and I think that we do the same for each other. Um, so if I was looking at the right LinkedIn profile, mm. I happen to see that you uh, majored in forestry management. Yeah, forestry that, management. So what, a, what an interesting time to be interviewing you right after yes. the, uh, well, they're still going on, actually, yes. the, the fires. But um, have you ever thought about what your life would be like now putting out fires instead of putting out fires? I know, right? Uh, (laughs) You know, there are a lot of reasons why I um, didn't become a a forester or, you know, a natural resource manager of some sort. Um, And the main reason is just I fell in love with food. And, uh, and it was, you know, my chef mentor, Tracy Desjardins, who actually convinced me to drop out of school. And every time I 
tell her that she's like did I did I really um I was at the end of I had actually transferred from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo to San Francisco State so I was no longer in the forestry major but she convinced me that food was my life it was very clear to her that food was my life um and since then, I haven't looked back often, um, but I can tell you one of the big reasons I, I veered away from forestry is um, I like being able to push forward ideas, decisions, create, you know, I like to be a visionary and um, the bureaucracy would have killed me <laughs> in the, uh, forestry. But um, you know, I think that that connection to outdoors and um, either what's naturally living in our space or what we plant in our space is still very much there for me. So how are you, we're, we're in a very strange time right now, especially, you know, this interview is, uh, what is it, September 22nd? So we're five days after Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed and all the, it's like a shit show out there. How, how are you uh, personally mm. right now? How's your mindset right now? You're opening a new business. Um, obviously there are so many issues on the table that have to do with what's going on and the uncertainty going forward. How are you, how are you managing? I'm all right. You know, I also have two kids. So if you want to layer on top of that, <laughs> more. How, how old are they? Uh, 14 and 17. My son is just starting his first year of high school and my daughter is starting her last year of high school. And are they do remote? Are they doing it remotely too? And how much do you have? To, are you participating in that? Um, of course, you know, my daughter, she's 17. She really is managing herself. Um, my son, it being his first year of high school, um, we're trying to balance that and be there for him. And so um, my husband and I kind of balance it's all new so we don't know i guess is the final answer but we're trying to balance that schedule and be supportive um i think of the other parents who either if you're a single parent you know single working parent or just any scenario it's not easy right now um for me i uh i meditate um and i always have and i can't imagine being in this industry without that great tool um i am a uh Maybe what Sarah would um, say about me is I am almost always every day, every moment can find the positivity and can find um, a, a way to move forward that feels like uh, it means something to us. And um, so finding value in everything we do, uh, I think it helps that when we opened the doors of Cooperativa day one, it was so clear that people were looking for something new. And um, we had made this decision at a certain point to when the construction crew got to the point where they took the paper off of the windows and we're a whole block of paper, we're a whole block of windows. So there's paper along a whole block of windows. Um, and people had been watching something happen since, you know, construction started in January, early February. And um, we, the construction crew took down those papers and we had a decision to make. Do we put the papers back up so that we have this big reveal? And um, I really wanted for the public to see what happens every day as we moved closer to opening. Um, and there's you know, a lot of reasons for that. One was you know, selfish. I kind of want to pull back the curtain on food and beverage industry and I want for the public to be able to see what, um, what it takes to bring that food to the public and all the work that goes into it, all the people involved, all of the farmers, all of the ranchers, all of the gelato makers. <laughs> and um, I thought that was an important element, but also I thought, you know, they have nothing else to watch right now except for their TVs and their phones. And this is real life and this is right in their neighborhood. Um, and so we didn't put up the papers and I'm so, thankful for that decision because people mention that again and again like how much fun it had been to watch what happened every day um, of course I have that feeling I'm like I know I do silly dances 
all the time, every day. And I'm sure they, they saw me do silly dances <laughs> every day when I came in. But um, it really, that was important. And that has provided a lot of inspiration since we opened the doors for me, hearing from people that um, this matters to them and this makes a difference in their day. And we're consistently reminded how feeding people um, and making connections through food does improve our lives and that sense of community. Well, I think that's one of the virtues of Portland. I think before this, you know, I've lived a few places, but I think in Portland, one of the things that has been most impressive is that generally speaking, the the people who are dining at a, a lot of the restaurants that you see on Eater, um, uh, those people are in tune with where their food came from and the processes. And, you know, I think a lot of people are aware of some of the challenges that restaurants had before this even started. You know, you had your, your balancing the front of the house and the back of the house and minimum wage issues leading up. And now I, I'm just... I think people are even more in tune with it. I mean, when that tip thing comes around and all you've done is pick up a cup of coffee in the old days, I was thinking, well, what, what, you know, I'm just picking up a cup of coffee. And now you're realizing they have to make a living. And, and I realized that before, but there were, you know, everything was much more robust and now it's not as robust. Right. And I think it's okay to have those conversations too. We wanted you know, when I have someone say, well, why, why aren't you open on Sundays? I really want you to be open on Sundays. <laughs> and it's, you know, amidst a pandemic, it's a little easier to say, um, you know, right now we all need a day that we rest and we kind of put the space to sleep and everyone has that day with their families. And it's a little easier right now to be able to, talk about that and talk about ourselves as humans, where I think many times um, in this industry, when we're service focused, we, we focus a lot on the humanity of the guests or the consumers or customers. Um, and we don't focus as much on the humanity of the, the staff and the vendors and the people who bring everything forward. And um, I'm also thankful for that time where we can have those discussions and, um, and allow ourselves to pay more attention to that. Well, they're going on now. And uh, certainly within the industry, those discussions are going on in Portland and elsewhere. And, uh, and I think consumers are probably more aware of those issues than they were before. I think also it's, it's a two-way street. Um, restaurants, I mean, the hospitality industry was, has, is there so that people can have an escape and an experience. And that comes at a cost and people are hurting right now too. So one of the catch 22s is for businesses like yours to get off the ground and other businesses to just gain back some footing that they had. They're relying on a consumer base that's unsure right now too, not only financially, but also how do we go about this? How do we go about dining? Um, wh what is this? <laughs> can we go out? Can we go inside space and sit down and pull the mask off? How do, it's a tough one. It is, it is. I mean, this week we're, we're going to have another staff meeting about winter. You know, what, what is our master plan for winter? What does everyone feel safe um, doing, not doing? Um, what might come up for the business and um, really facing that reality now so we can make some good plans moving forward. Um, you know, most of the space is pretty easy to control during that time for us. Um, of course, it's the, we, we do have a portion of our space that is a bar and that is different. So the, most of those discussions revolve around the bar and I can tell you the number of people coming in who really, really want to sit down and have a long, leisurely meal and a drink, it's, it's incredible to me. I didn't expect that. Um, and when we have the, when the air quality is good and we have uh, our full block of outdoor seating, people are really enjoying that, being able to sit down and um, enjoy a space. And 
the first day when we offered to make someone their espresso in, uh, in their porcelain cup in, instead of in a to-go paper cup, I thought they were going to cry. They mm. were so excited and thankful <laughs> and said, you know, it's been six months since I've sat somewhere and had my morning coffee in a cup aside from my house, outside of my house. So um, you forget sometimes that it's those little things that can add positivity and cheer to someone's day in a really tough time. And there's so many big things for us to focus on right now. There's so much that we need to consider. There's um, a lot of awareness that we need to communicate and I think that um, we can't lose sight of the humanity and the connection and the simple ways that we have to care for each other. And also, I'm sure you've got to be cognizant of that, the fact that people are a little uptight right now in many ways for a lot of reasons. There's so little that everyone can control right now. Right. Everybody's got their own shit. No matter what you thought their lives were like, you don't know what they're going through right now. So um, it takes, you know, it takes some compassion. And I think, um, you know, as if it was, if it, the hospitality industry wasn't challenging enough before, and now you got to balance, there's so much to balance. There is. So, I mean, do you ever wish you were, did, did, during this, I mean, you were starting a new project, so I guess not. But have you ever, even before March or since, said, God, I just wish I wasn't in this business. I, I just I could step off. I think that it's uh, flipped for me and, and for Sarah. Um, we had one point where someone said, you know, well, I'm sure during this you just want to leave and get high-paying corporate jobs. And I laughed so hard. I thought, wouldn't that be amazing if that was what we wanted because that probably is a lot easier but um in many times in my life uh you know i started working in restaurants when i was 17 i'm 45 now and um many times over those decades i've i've paused and asked myself that question and um this it is not a choice for me it is just it is my purpose it is where i'm meant to be i cannot imagine doing anything else i'm meant to um feed people and serve people and care for people through food um and that nurturing aspect of what the way food connects us is is it's what always comes back to me again and again and wherever i am whatever you know whether it's a cafe or a fine dining restaurant or a market or um this space of cooperativa there there's just no other option for me so i think for sarah and i both once knowing that in some ways helps because it gives you that determination and drive to push yourself through the tough times, but also um, to let go at certain times and remind yourself of why you're actually there. And, um, you know, there's no question in my mind that this is what I want to be doing. And um, I, I love knowing that every day and finding ways to um, make it more relevant on a daily basis. And also if the restaurant model's broken and I've decided this is my life, then it's my responsibility to find new ways forward. And wow. that's I'm, I'm impressed by that. Do you get to travel much? Have you traveled <laughs> much in your life? I um, mean, you got kids now, so that's what's <laughs> not the last 15 years. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've done a little bit, but in terms of, you know, going to Italy and just really enjoying yourself. Yeah, we were supposed to go to Italy this spring, of course. That was the master plan, is that we would have um, gone to uh, Italy, New York, and L.A. for some food travel. Um, and I would have been there right now, today. I would have been, been? Oh my in Sicily right now. So I'm constantly looking um, to try to... We want to, if, if it's not next year, I, we might freak out if it's not next year. But um, yeah, I mean, prior to kids, definitely. Um, and not much since having kids. And uh, another element of this work is that, you know, when I look at all of the people I kind of came up with um, through the industry, especially the people I started with in San Francisco, 
Um, I'm one of very few with children. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's hard to believe that you've done what you've done with two kids the age that they are, yeah, ages that they are. You know, opening a restaurant with my family, I, Lily, my daughter, when she was a baby, she was in the, um, you know, we had a pack and play set up in the prep kitchen. And, um, you know, she's, she was there with, you know, whoever was prepping for the day, she was right there watching. And, um, you know, she really came up in this and then Smith did as well. So I, the other element of kind of that Italian way is, um, it's, it's a family affair. So if you do it, everyone's there with you. And I think there wasn't really, there hasn't been much room for that in the traditional restaurant model, especially, of course, in fine dining, who wants, they're trying to get out in a way, you don't want to be exposed to right. reality in that moment. But um, <laughs> you know, that's the beauty of what we're creating now is Sarah and I really feel like this is something we can um, we can age through <laughs> and uh, see the next few decades and, um, and hopefully few decades. That's a long yeah. period. Heck yeah. I was um, just going to ask you. So, you know, I think you're kind of out of the um, daily parenting woods in about five years, based on what you said, uh, yeah. somewhere around there. And so um, do you want it? you know, is there anything that you have, you've dreamed about doing sure. for your whole life that you will be able to do when you have, I, I won't call it a full empty nest, but a partial empty nest? Uh, sure. I mean, I, um, well, I believe that there were some things that we couldn't, we didn't necessarily feel, we didn't feel it was as easy to accomplish with kids, with young kids. We're also very much of the mindset of like bringing the kids along for the ride. You know, they're they're there with us, whatever we do. But um, yeah, I think definitely looking for more travel. I have, you know, I've just this year started to realize, oh my gosh, um, in four or five years, we're going to be empty nesters. So <laughs> um, I realized that two minutes into the conversation after yeah. you said the <laughs> I, I'm after not, you I'm indicated not their ages. That. Um, you know, I'm so focused also on like, I want to create a better lifestyle for our staff so that like my managers don't feel like they have, I want for them to feel like they, if they want to start a family, they can, if they don't, they don't. And if they want to travel, they can. And so, um, I'm really focused on that for them, but I guess for myself, yeah, I also want that. I want to do more extensive travel. I want to be able to, um, you know, I haven't taken off um, large amounts of time in a number of years, and uh, that would feel great to take, you know, a month or two and do some extensive traveling. Um, but no, I mean, I'm sure other opportunities will open up, and uh, that's that's the thing. You can't you can own you can't see much positive and opportunity in the abstract much opportunity comes one's way when you're not expecting it so uh, certainly one can make opportunity but the greatest things in my life have just happened on a tuesday i happen to meet this person and that changed my life absolutely yeah you gotta follow the breadcrumbs of your passion but i think you know if you're doing that and you're putting self yourself in that position then absolutely those that opens up and i feel that every day something new opens up that feels invigorating and um, stimulating and motivating and well that's good if it happens every day so let's go to let's get to something simpler and we we're coming to a close here soon but so what's your favorite pizza when i you know when i met you i think i was coming in and i was trying to i've stopped lobbying for the white clam pie <laughs> all over town uh i think i've just come to the conclusion that uh Pizza Jerk has a good one, and I'll just go with that. And I have some friends in New Haven who can actually ship a few out to me. That's okay. But they're not as good as eating it live. So anyway, I'm sorry to go through that whole thing. What is your, what's your favorite pie? What do you, what do you order? So once again, uh, and if we get to know each other more, you'll know this about me. I can't stand picking favorites. Um, I like to rotate. Uh, and that's with everything. You ask me my favorite musician, movie, etc. So favorite pizza, I rotate. It's kind of like a given day. 
sort of thing. I love all of our pizzas, so that's wonderful. Um, the broccoli rob, I'd say, is like this hidden gem that people try and then can't stop coming back for. It's that one for me, I definitely have one day a week where I have to have it. Um, roasted broccoli, uh, fresh whole milk ricotta, and abruzzo sauce with uh, Calabrian chili, anchovies, sun-dried tomato, and olive. It's amazing. Um, I'm open. That wouldn't be the first thing I would think about is broccoli. Um, they're all pretty unusual. And then the potato pizza, it's very straightforward, very um, focused pizza, thinly slivered potato slices roasted in the oven with um, on top of the dough um, and uh, rosemary, a touch of onion and sea salt, a little olive oil. It's perfect. It's so good. Um, so I like getting that. And then um, I get a side of Calabrian chilies and that's how I eat the potato pizza. Um, but that those, sounds good. So yeah. can you just come in and order like East Coast style? I want sausage and onion. No, no. Um, so it's a totally different style. Um, it's made uh, the pizza taglio, so by the slice, and um, which means, uh, well, if you've been in Italy, if you've been in Rome, I'm sure you've seen the spots where you dart in and you see the big pans of pizza that are already made, and you don't get to choose what you're, you don't get to do and make your own. Um, okay. You choose from the selection that's there, um, but you know as many slices or uh, cuts as you'd like. And we do a full cut most commonly, which is like a six by six slice. But you can do a smaller cut if you'd like. Um, and the idea is hopefully you try more than one. It's kind of built for that, um, and come back and try them all. And you can make a whole pie out of it. So if someone wants to have a whole pie, I recommend that they get six slices, have us cut them all in half and make a box of pizza to go. Very nice. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a good recommendation. So uh, give us all the particulars, the Instagrams, the website, the whole thing. Yeah, cooperativapdx.com. Instagram is Cooperativa PDX, and uh, we're at uh, 1250 Northwest 9th Avenue in the Pearl District, right near the river. And um, So what else is that near, just to... Oh, sure. Fields Park. So if you think of what most years we'd be doing right now is we'd be at the smoked event right there. Right. Um, and uh, we're a block from Taylor Springs Park. So we're between uh, Northwest Overton and Northrop. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, quick walk to all those spaces um, and plenty of outdoor seating as long as the air quality is great so you can sit here and relax. Or We have a lot of people who pack for the park or go on picnics, especially right now. Um, so given you're a positive person, what do you have? I, this is putting you on the spot. Sure. But the industry's in a tough position right now and people are in a tough spot. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any prevailing thought right now to that you might suggest to help people get through some tough times? Um, you know, I recommend finding that connecting thread for you. So whatever it is for you that comes up time and time again, that allows you to feel connected to people. So if for me, that's food. Um, maybe for you, it's engaging over podcasts and eating good food. Oh, no. It's, I like the <laughs> podcast, but I'd rather be eating. Traveling and eating. Um, <laughs> but, but, right, this is a thread to that, right? Um, yes. So I think it's finding that thread. I mean, that's for my kids, too. I want them to find that thing that, for my son, it's skateboarding. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. To find whatever it is and just let it tether you in some way and find ways to perpetuate it. Well, I'll say, because there are people listening to this that haven't, certainly don't follow me elsewhere, but I'll tell you what's been good for me. Um, and it relates to food. And I thought of this based on what you were just saying. But, um, you know, have you seen the, have you seen the, um, what's the movie on the social? Uh, the social dilemma? Yeah, the social dilemma. I have not. It's scary as hell. So part of me wants to just give up Facebook and the whole thing. But I mean, I, I have so many connections there. And um, I'm sick of getting my news there. But one of the things that I do love is that memories feed every day. And this week in particular, 
marks a week that I haven't been in Oregon for six years because with my Portland food adventures trips, we've always been traveling. And I had four years in a row where I traveled with Jose of Atala to Barcelona. And so today, my memories feed is just filled with pictures of great people enjoying great food in incredible settings. And so for me, that's been um, one of the things that has helped me get me through these times is living not only in the moment, but in the past. So I have a Chromecast that just shoots my past pictures up on my TV, put the Sonos on, and I look at I dream of getting back to where we were because I'd love to be traveling when I'm supposed to be right now and hope we will be soon. So thread. I mean, I agree. I think having that thread and care, finding a way to care for people. I mean, I think everyone needs that more than, a, more than ever before. That dreaded term, now more than ever. <laughs> I just saw someone that said they were going to blow it, someone up the next time they heard that. So be careful. <laughs> Please, no, no. Who's listening to this? Um, no, but I really, I do think it's an important time for us to find a way to care for others. And it, it does make you feel better the more you can do that. So just as a matter of reference, that now more than ever line, I worked in ad agencies for years and we had a bank client in 1987 and the stock, when the stock market crashed. Yes. I came up with that line and I thought I was a genius now, now more than ever. It's been so used. It's crazy. <laughs> it's probably been used forever before that, but you know, I, I hadn't seen it before, but now I've seen it a million times. Um, but, but so now more than ever, people need cooperativa. And so I appreciate it. You know, we, we took a little break from doing new podcasts for a while because I think the stories of impending doom and trying to figure out the restaurant business, they were good for a couple of months. I mean, not good, but they were, after a couple of months of listening to them, there was not much new to hear. Right. So I'm really, I'm trying to find some new, fresh perspectives, which is what you have. And so thank you for, for um, doing it. I was remiss and didn't mention by name all of our eight vendor partners and our nonprofit partners. Um, and if Go I ahead and do that. See, we're in a new era because I've never been a bit, I've been a promoter, but Right at the Fork has not been a forum for new business PR. So right. we haven't done it. But now I think we're in a position where we should be doing that. So well, go ahead and mention your... Um, so Spella Cafe, Tails and Trotters, uh, Pinolo Gelato, Cowbell Fine Cheese, Evans Farm, Sparrowhawk Farm, Koi and Company, and Real Good Food. Um, and then our nonprofit partners, uh, No Kid Hungry, SEI, Nativity School, Pear, and Stone Soup. And, oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Stone Soup is great. We've done some great things with them, too. So, yes. yes. I, do you have event space where you, you have event space where you are? Do you know? uh, we have, there's a portion of the bar that we envisioned would be used for events. Um, and someday, I'm sure it will again. <laughs> when we someday there will be events. Wine club, when Wine Club starts next month, um, we'll have some kind of distanced uh, tastings in that area um, that we're mapping out right now. So we will be able to use it in some ways. Well, good. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy because you've got a few things going on over there. And I will see you mask to mask soon, I hope. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Oh, my, pl my pleasure. It's been really, this is actually the longest conversation we've had. Yes, this is true. <laughs> so I appreciate that opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Very Thank much. You. All right. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right